Good morning. This is Christine DiGiacomo, and today's morning briefing is called A Winning Mindset. A couple nights ago, I sat down at a local eatery with my friends. When our petite greeter served us, I took in all of her tattoos and her sweet face. What is the date about? Bill gestured to a date and large rosette on the inside of her arm. Well, that was my mom's birthday. She died a year ago. Yikes! There was no going back from that, so I plunged in. Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. What took her, hun? Drugs and alcohol, she matter-of-factly replied, but then launched into how she took care of her mother from the time she was a very young child. Truth is, though I miss her, her dying was the best thing that could have happened to me because I kept getting pulled into it all. So young, and yet she has lived such a very hard life already. Maybe she's ahead of the game, realizing that things that cause great heartache often turn out for our good, somehow. Like my friend Sandy, who I last wrote about in I Am Here, Love, God, who came to meet the living Lord when her daughter was killed. Liz must at times wonder, God, where are you? Where were you when I had to become the mama to my mom? And so I consider just how God might answer Liz. No better place to find God's thoughts toward us than his word. Paul captures five expressions from God's heart to ours in Romans chapter 8, ordered in the way they come up in the chapter. First, I do not condemn you. You see, Paul wrote, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. It's one thing to read Paul's words and another to apply them personally. So, food server girl, no matter that you followed in your mama's footsteps, no matter that it involved the law, if you but look to him, God forgives you. There is no further condemnation. The first thing God would say to you, I do not condemn you. Number two, what's more, I will work everything out for good. While Paul wrote, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God, in verse 28, it's even more meaningful when we realize that whatever has come before, even those things which were painful, those areas of failure, even moral failure, can be used for good when they are given to God. When you believe that all things work together for good, it redefines the bad things that happen in your life. There is a silver lining to every storm cloud, and every downside has a potential upside. Of course, there is a difference between immediate good and ultimate good. God effects this radical transformation, that is, turning those things that were bad into good. That kind of radical juxtaposition happens through the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. There is nothing that God cannot redeem and recycle for His purposes. I went to the craft store and bought a blank jigsaw puzzle. 
I could write all of those things which make up my life, struggles, failures, gifts, miracles, milestones, and label a different piece of the puzzle with each of those areas. Snapped together, they make for a complete picture. When I reach the end of me, God will have fit all those pieces together. Of that, I am certain. The third thing God would say, I am for you. What will it take for you to get that? Paul so succinctly communicated, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? That is the line of demarcation, is it not? So how long will we worry? How long will we carry around guilt already paid for? How long will it take to realize that all that matters in this world is that God is for us? That is eternal. The rest of the things that you concern yourself with is not, are not. Sure, day to day, it causes you stress, but even a year from now, you will not remember the things that you let rob you of life, rob you of joy. Today, God is for you. It's the Holy Spirit that speaks to our hearts and reminds us that God is for us. The Holy Spirit is the key to letting go of if-only's and embracing God's what-ifs. If we do not recognize and welcome the power of the Spirit working in our lives, we're only operating at two-thirds capacity. The fourth thing God says to us is, you're not just a victor, you are a conqueror. Paul wrote, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Why, how could Paul make such an assertion? Because we know how the story ends. So since that is the case, let's determine to dwell in possibility. We can be more than conquerors because we are devoted to Christ. And check this out. When we are, the Holy Spirit is praying for us all of the time. Then in verse 34 of chapter 8, Paul also reminds us that Christ Jesus, who died, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. The fifth thing, who could we be? What miraculous thing could we accomplish if we but understood that the God of the universe passionately loves us, not in mass, but individually? God says to us, nothing can keep my love from you except you. Whether or not you feel it, my love for you is a constant. Paul went to great extremes to explain that nada, nothing, no one can keep God's love from us. He said, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons. And he goes on, the list is exhaustive. Look it up. Romans 8, 38 and 39. These five things that I've gleaned from Romans chapter 8, if lived by, could move us to not just be overcomers, but conquerors. 
not caught up in guilt and if-onlys, but living freely, fully confident that we are loved by the one who holds the universe and the cosmos in place. These five statements of God could form our core convictions in Christ. One, I don't condemn you. I will make all things work together for good. I am for you. You are more than a conqueror in me. Nothing can separate you from my love. Ask the Holy Spirit to convince you of these truths, my friend. You will then have a winning mindset.